You are listening to sermon audio from College Creek Church in Annapolis, Maryland. For more information on this local body of believers, visit us online at collegecreekchurch.org or in person every Sunday at 11 a.m. In the summer of 2019, um, pre-pandemic, when this was a thing that a person could do, I went to Uganda. Um, I had, I'd been before, I was returning there to help plant a church in that country, to help train some pastors in, in theology. And, and before I went, a person that I knew here in the States contacted me and they said, hey, I wanna give you a few hundred dollars and I want you to take that money and just use it to bless people in Uganda. When you come across someone who has a need in that place, I want you to just use it to bring blessing to them. So I said, okay, right, sure, I, I can do that. And so I took the money. I didn't know what the Lord um, was gonna do. I didn't know what he wanted me to use it for. Um, but this person said, they said, I just see this as a blessing from the Lord. That God has given me a blessing and now I'm just passing that blessing on. And they passed it on to me and then they asked me to pass it on to other people as well. And by God's grace, there were several opportunities for us to, to use those funds. One of them is this friend of mine, there you go, my friend Samuel. He's one of um, the people that we were able to bless with those funds. Samuel's a pastor at a local church in Uganda. They meet every week under a mango tree in the middle of his village. Um, I met him because he was in the class that I was teaching um, for pastors. And as I got to know him, I was just like blown away by what the Lord was doing um, through him, through his family to expand the kingdom there. But I also began to realize that they were facing incredible hardships in the work of ministry. The village that they lived in, where the church was located, um, was several miles from any water. They had no running water in the village. It was several miles for them to get to the closest well. So every day, they were walking miles to go to a well to fill up two five-gallon jugs of water. And then they had to carry those jugs of water back with them, miles back to their, to their home. A lot of people, this is really common in, in Uganda, a lot of people, what they do is they get bicycles that they kind of use to help them carry the water back and forth. And so it became clear to me that perhaps in Samuel's life, a bicycle would be helpful for this, but also for other things, right? Because he could use that bicycle to go out and to, and to care for people in his church, in his community. And so we, we bought him a bicycle with some of that money. And this picture is actually of of Samuel coming to give me a thank you gift. And so he gave me a chicken. Um, that is the chicken. Chickens in that country are meant to communicate friendship and, and, and love. It's a way of saying, hey, I wish we could sit down and eat this together. That's kind of what it means. So like we're friends. So here's a chicken. Let's enjoy a meal um, together. And so he, he came by to give me that. But of course, the bicycle, right, wasn't actually a gift from me at all. It was a gift from this person back in America. I had simply been a conduit of their kindness. I was simply a passageway for their love. I was nothing more than, than sort of the throughway for this blessing to pass on to Samuel, right? Similarly, the person who gave me the money, that's what they said it was in their life. It was just simply, they were being a conduit of God's kindness. God had blessed them and now they wanted to bless these people. 
right? And, and Samuel as well, right? As he now uses that bicycle to go out and to care for people in his village, people in his church community, he too is just a conduit of the kindness of God as he goes out and serves other people, right? That's the design that God has for how people would be blessed, how his blessings would be distributed to the world. Design is that it's through the people of God that the world would be blessed. And so actually, if we go back in scripture, um, all the way back to the calling of Abraham early on in the book of Genesis, we see God calling this particular person. He's gonna make from that person a particular people, but it isn't just for the good of Abraham or for the good of Israel, but it's for the good of the world. He says that Abraham is gonna be this blessing to the world. So here's the call of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. He says this, now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Just a few chapters later in Genesis 22, we see the same thing. Here's what God says. I will surely, bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, as the sand that's on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. The plan and vision of God for his people is that we would be conduits of kindness passageways for for the blessings of God to pour out onto the rest of the world, onto all families, onto all nations. And that's certainly what we see happening today when we turn our attention back to the book of Ruth. This morning, we get introduced to a new person in our story, a guy by the name of Boaz. And what we're going to see is Boaz is a conduit of kindness to this Moabite woman named Ruth. And if we were to trace out the story of Ruth long enough, we would see that he also is a conduit of the kindness of God to us as well today. But we want to jump into this story in Ruth. You may remember we're in our third week in this series in the book of Ruth called Hope from Despair. And we've seen as we've walked through this story that there is plenty of despair to go around um, for everyone. This family, this little family that we're following in the story. You may remember at one point they were six people strong, but now they've been whittled down to just two, Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, two widowed women trying to make a go of it in this world on their own. Last week, we saw them return to Israel, the land of Naomi's God, and now the land of Ruth's God as well, because she has professed Yahweh as her own God. And they've heard that God has visited his people, that he's begun to give them food again. And so they've returned. They're in hopes that they'll find all that they need there, but they've yet to really see a demonstration of the kindness of God. But as we turn the page into chapter two, we're going to see how kind God really is. So let me read for us from Ruth chapter two. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and and open up um, to that. It'll be up here on the screen as well. And if you picked up one of these Bibles on on your way and you'll find it on page 127. And and friend, if you don't have a Bible of your own at home, please take one of those with you as, as our gift to you. Well, Ruth 
chapter two. It's a long story, so I'll just read this whole chapter for us. It says this. Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. And then Boaz said to the young man who is in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes? that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. But Boaz answered her, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. How you left your father and mother and your native land and you came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then she said, I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I'm not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed her the roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening and she beat out what she had gleaned and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, you shall keep close to my young men until they finish all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. 
And so if you see what, what happens here, Boaz becomes a conduit of kindness to Ruth, who, who in turn, right, becomes this one who passes the blessing on to Naomi. Or we kind of get set up for this at the very beginning. It starts with that, that first verse where the narrator sort of just introduces us to the idea of Boaz, right? He says, Naomi had a relative of her husband, right? We get a description of Boaz. It says, he was a worthy man. This is, that's a significant phrase, right? You may remember that we're talking about the time of the judges. We said this previously in the last couple of weeks. And in the time of the judges, no one had any regard for God. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Yet at this time, we meet a person who is worthy. We find a worthy man. There are many things that we might say what it means to be worthy, but It seems to me that as we read the story, most of all, it means that they become a conduit of the kindness of God, a conduit for the blessings of God to come to others. You know, we live in a very similar day and age today. There's a lot of disregard for God. We lack moral authority in our world, at least submission to moral authority. Wait, we too live time where everyone does what's right in their own eyes. And I believe that the Lord is calling his people to be worthy people in the midst of a world that has completely forsaken him. I believe that the Lord is calling us, calling his people like Boaz to be conduits of kindness in a world that is full of despair and for particular people, for specific people who are living in that despair. I believe that he's calling us to live in such a way, not so that people would look at us and praise us and talk about how good we are, but rather so that God's name would be praised. So they would receive those blessings from us as blessings from the Lord, because that's truly where they come from. Any kindness that we could offer is actually a kindness of God. That's what happens in in the story here. When you get to the end of the chapter, Ruth returns to Naomi. She says, look at what I've gleaned. And here's Naomi's response in verse 20. Naomi says to her her daughter-in-law, may he, that's Boaz, may Boaz be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And there seems to be a little intentional ambiguity in our text here. We don't actually know whose kindness Naomi is referring to. And I think that's on purpose, right? Is she talking about the kindness of Boaz? Is it Boaz who has not forsaken the living or the dead? Or is it the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead? And I think the answer is yes, It is both the kindness of Boaz and the kindness of the Lord because Boaz has become a conduit of God's kindness to Ruth. It makes me think of that line in in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus encourages us to live in such a way that people would see our good works, but then they would give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Right? Ultimately, any kindness that we have to offer is made possible by the Lord. So all glory goes to him. That seems to be what Boaz is trying to do, which is why in the very middle of his showing kindness, he points Ruth's attention not to himself, but to the Lord. Right? This is verse 12. He says to Ruth, the Lord repay you 
for what you have done. A full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. He points Ruth to take refuge under God's wings, that God's the one who's going to reward her. And here at the same time, we see him being the means by which God is protecting her. Him being the means by which God is going to reward her. So, so what does it actually look like to be a conduit of kindness of the Lord? Well, let's consider Boaz as sort of an example for us all. At the same time, though, we could say what it means is that we ought to love people. We have to demonstrate the blessings that God has given to us. We have to love people like God has loved us. Offer the kindness that God has offered to us. But I think there's three things in particular we see in our story here. First, if you want to be a conduit of kindness, you have to be intentional. The kindness of God is not incidental. It's not accidental. It's always intentional. The kindness of God towards us in Christ, right, was intentional. It wasn't an accident that Jesus showed up on the scene and then willingly went to the cross and died. That wasn't an accident. God intentionally moved towards us that Jesus would be born, that the son of God would come. Jesus came on purpose and with a purpose. And the purpose was that he would die in our place, that he would raise again from the dead, that any who repent and believe in him would be saved. That was the intention of which Jesus came. In the same way, we have to be intentional if we want to be the conduits of kindness of God. The story demonstrates that clearly, right? In, in verse three, it says that Ruth just happened to come to the field of Boaz. She just showed up, just an accident, just a happy little accident happened. But what happened next is clearly no accident at all. Boaz comes into the field. He looks and look at what he does. He sees her, so he notices her. He begins to ask about her. And then he begins to move. He begins to work with intentional kindness towards her. So much so that when we get to verse eight, he can say to her this, listen, my daughter, don't glean in another field. Don't leave this one. Stay close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping. Go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? When you're thirsty, go and drink from the vessels that the young men have drawn. In other words, even if she showed up on accident, he is intentionally making sure that she comes back. Right, right, what is she? Don't glean in another field. Don't go anywhere else. I've already made provision for you. The young women will expect you to show up and the young men are gonna keep their hands off of you. And if you need water, there's water for you. I've already done all of the, he intentionally steps towards her with his kindness. And the Lord is calling us to be intentional with his kindness as well. Friends, keep your eyes open to what God is doing all around you. God brought her to the field. But Boaz joined God in his intentionality. And I wonder how many people God has brought into our fields that we have just disregarded, that we've just simply let move on because of our lack of intentionality. If you wanna be a conduit of God's kindness, we must always be asking God, God, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this place? 
How can I join you in your work here in this place, wherever I go, as I walk into a room? God, what are you doing here? How can I join you in the work that you're doing here? I, I had a guy tell me a story recently about going to Walgreens with a missionary. And he said that he, he was just asked this missionary if he'd give him a ride to Walgreens and the guy said yes. And they got in the car, they're in the driveway, they haven't even left yet. And the guy says, before we go, could we pray? He says, this missionary begins to pray before they go to the Walgreens. And he begins to say, Lord, Lord, would you just give us an opportunity to bless somebody while we're at Walgreens? Lord, would you just show us what you're doing in that Walgreens? Lord, would you just show us a person in need? Would you just give us a person that we could talk to? He says, the guy starts crying. He's just crying out to the Lord. Lord, what are you doing there? Lord, we just want to be used by you today at the Walgreens. We just want to be used by you in this place. What are you doing there, Lord? We know you want to bless people. We want to be a part of it. Would you let us? That's a, that is an intentionality when you walk into that store, because now what's going to happen when you show up at Walgreens? You're going to be looking. What is God doing? How can I join him? And the guy said, obviously we got to Walgreens and somebody needed some help and we were able to pray with them. We were able to minister to them right there in the middle of the Walgreens. Why? It's not, it's not because they like, just, just went to Walgreens and a person needed help. It's because they went with intention. They prayed, God, what are you doing? And how can I join you? So pray and then watch as God opens doors for you to be a conduit of his kindness to others. But secondly, if we want to be conduits of God's kindness, we can't be withholding. Instead of doing the minimum, we have to look for opportunities to offer to other people abundant grace. Right, that's what God did for us, right? He offered abundant grace. He didn't just offer us a get out of hell free card. He said, I, I wanna make you my own. I want you to inherit the fullness of my kingdom. I want you to encounter the full power of my kingdom. I want a personal relationship with you forever. That's what God said. At first John chapter three, it's talking about this and it says this, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. Or as Romans chapter eight, verse 32 says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things, right? The grace of God, the love of God is abundant. It's not withholding. That's what we see Boaz doing as well, abundantly providing for Ruth. She says, can I glean in your field? That's her only question. Is it okay if I glean in your field? Which just means, is it okay if I walk behind the people doing the work and pick up the things that they drop? Is that okay? Is it okay if I pick up the scraps? Is that okay? And Boaz Instead of just saying, yes, sure, you can go pick up the scraps. That's standard practice for anybody who's poor in the city, in the, in the nation of Israel. In fact, it's required by the law of God. If a person who's poor, specifically if a widow or a sojourner, that is a person from another country, they come to you and they say, hey, can I glean? You have to say yes. So he could have just said the letter of the law says, I have to say yes, so yes and done. But instead he abundantly, Boaz looks deeper. He assesses more of her needs. He doesn't just let her glean, but he, he recognizes that for a Moabite widow, that is a dangerous proposition. 
to be gleaning in the field. So he goes to his men who are working in the fields and he says, none of you touch her. He provides protection for her. He says, you know what? If you're working out here all day in the fields, you're gonna be tired. You're gonna be thirsty. There's some water for you. And you know what? It's mealtime and you're just gleaning. So come over here and eat some of the food that we've already prepared. Just abundant kindness to her. He goes even more above and beyond, right? He tells his workers, hey, when you're going, basically spill stuff on purpose. Take stuff, just spill it on purpose so that she can pick it up and so that she doesn't feel like it's charity, you know, like, but she actually is like, oh, look, there's more to glean here. So spill stuff on purpose. Don't make her feel like a nothing because you're handing her things. Let her do the work, but, but give her some more. Go above and beyond. At the end of the day, he's given her so much kindness that when she shows back up to Naomi, Naomi, who's just waiting at home, and if you remember from last week, it's just bitter, just sitting in this room, bitter, Last week, we saw that and she's just shocked. She says, hey, blessed be the man who took notice of you. Ruth didn't come home with a normal day's worth of gleanings. She came home with an abundant blessing. It says she came home with an ephah of grain. That's five gallons of barley. That's kindness, far more than one would expect in a single day's work. This is the kindness of God that we are called to offer as we are a conduit of his kindness to those that we meet. But I wonder how often we instead simply do the minimum required, just the minimum required to help a person. We just offer them what they ask for so that they'll move on and we can move on. But scripture seems to tell us that we have to be relationally pressing in seeking to offer kindness of God in every area of a person's life that they have need. I think in our day and time that, that one of the things that that means most of all, one of the things that we fail to offer more than anything else is actually spiritual kindness. We are much more willing to just give someone a sandwich than to pray with them. I think people are desperate for spiritual kindness. It is truly only the people of God who have that to offer to them. Anybody can give out food and clothes, but we alone can offer spiritual blessing. But what do we do instead? We just give them a dollar and we send them on their way. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we shouldn't meet people's physical needs. I'm not saying that at all. And neither is scripture. Actually, Matthew 5, Jesus tells us to give to the one who begs from you, to not refuse the one who would borrow from you. James seems to specifically be talking about this, this idea of offering spiritual platitudes instead of real help. When he, when he says, Hey, if a brother or a sister is poorly clothed or lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things that they need for the body. He says, what good is that? It's no good. But I, but I fear that we've fallen into the opposite trap. In our day, we've fallen into the opposite trap. We perhaps are all too willing to offer food and clothes, but no prayer. Some would give almost anything as long as they didn't have to share the gospel with someone. But there is nothing, there's nothing a person needs to hear more in their life than the life-changing truth that Christ has come to save sinners. And so I would, I would implore you and, and me, I would implore us, don't pass up an opportunity to, to offer spiritual blessing, to pray with those in need 
to share the gospel with those who don't believe. But also, remember that often the answer to that prayer is you. Often the answer to that prayer is that God would have us, the body of Christ, come alongside them. When we pray that Jesus would do something, guess what? We're Jesus. We're the body of Christ on earth. And so we offer physical blessings and we offer spiritual blessings and we look into all the areas of a person's life. We say, how can we be abundantly gracious in every possible way? One final thing that Boaz does and that we ought to do if we wanna be a conduit of kindness is that our care must last. We're not simply called to share with someone once, to be kind once, Rather, we're, kind, we're called to this ongoing ministry of kindness in the same way that God has dealt with us, right? And certainly the best place, I think the best place in scripture to see this is Psalm 136. You should read it in its entirety at some point. I'm just gonna read the first three verses for us. Here's Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords for his steadfast love endures forever. And if you were to keep reading to the rest of that Psalm, what you would find is that his steadfast love endures forever shows up 26 times in one Psalm, 26 times after every example of God's goodness showing up, we are reminded that his steadfast love, it's not just for a day. His steadfast love endures forever. And we too are called to persist in our love of others. And so here in the story of Ruth, we, we could maybe almost miss it because I think we think this story happens all so fast. Ruth, like boom, 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 we're done. But actually there's like a year in this story. And so here in the very, um, very end of this chapter, we see the persistent kindness of Boaz. Here's the last verse. It says this. So she kept, she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and the wheat harvest. Every day, Ruth just kept showing up. Every day, she was met with the persistent kindness of God through Boaz for months. This happened for months, through the whole barley harvest. And then when that was over, through the whole wheat harvest. And, and we'll actually see next week as we continue in this series that God's kindness continues even longer than that. But we too are called to persist in our love for others. Maybe, maybe you're tired. Maybe you've been trying to do this. Maybe you're tired this morning because it feels like people are just always asking you for more. But let me just encourage you in this way. That the steadfast love of God for you endures forever. You're not running out in kindness that you can offer. You're not running out of blessings that you can give because our God is abundantly blessing you each and every day. His mercies are new each morning. He offers unto us grace upon grace. And God's plan, God's vision for his people is that we would not hoard his blessings, 
but that we would become conduits of his kindness to the world. That truly all families, all nations would be blessed through his people. Now, on the, on the one hand, all nations are blessed through his people because it's through Israel that Jesus came. And Jesus offered freely and abundantly his grace to anyone from any nation, anyone from any people, anyone from any family who would repent and believe in him, the offer of salvation is there. And there is no truer or greater blessing possible. But I would encourage us as well that as we go from this place to be intentional about stepping into the opportunities we have to demonstrate God's abundant and persistent kindness to others, that we would all become conduits of his kindness to a watching world. And that as we do, we wouldn't garner all that praise for ourselves, but instead we would point them to our father in heaven. They would see our good works and they would give glory to our father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, it is our desire that we would be able to show people how much you love them. Lord, help us to be tangible expressions of your love in our world. Father, we confess that we have hid from opportunities to love. We have squandered opportunities to love. Lord, we confess that even when we've taken them, we have stopped short, not willing to give the abundant love that you offer. So Lord, help us. Help us to live sacrificially. Help us to live open-handedly. And we pray, Lord, that as we do this, that you would draw people to yourself because truly the greatest love possible, the greatest blessing possible is relationship with you. And so we pray that you would draw people to yourself and that you would let us be a part of the ways in which you would bless people in salvation. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.